a selective genocide or should I say this way or should I say that they will eliminate whoever's or against them and we obviously were against them because we studied in a women empower women empowering uh, university and we know we were well aware of our rights and how to gain our rights how to fight for it how to make how to make present that you know the girl the Taliban Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today we've got a special show. You know that on the show I like to bring all sorts of different kinds of high achievers and exceptional people, and I think today we've got somebody really exceptional. Asma Pygir recently escaped from the Taliban in Afghanistan, and we're going to be hearing about her experiences and and the exciting things she wants to do in her future. Asma, thanks so much for making time to be on. Thank you for having me in your show, and thank you for your invitation. So let, let's talk a little bit about how you grew up and before you went to university in Madagascar. What part of Afghanistan were you born in? I was born in Kabul, but I originally am from Parvon, province of Afghanistan. And I grew up in Kabul, but I was visiting Parvon eventually once or twice a year. And, but mostly I spent my, my life in Kabul. And... And how old were you when the Taliban really started taking power there? It's, it's interesting because growing up, in, I, I, I never feel that we are really free from the Taliban. The fear of the world, the world come someday was always there on daily basis. So, but they didn't, they weren't in the cities or capturing any province or any districts in the in the country but they were fighting with our army and united states army so very recently that they took power very rapidly and the government collapsed what was it about your parents examples or anything that made you decide you wanted to go to university well well my parents both of them are educated and we were always being inspired, encouraged to continue our educations. They send us to school and my mom makes sure that we are getting good grades in school and we're going to have a, a bright and good future. Because the last time the Taliban took the control of the country, my mom was in the university and one semester away from the graduation. And when they took the government, they closed the universities and women were never being allowed to go to university or pursue further education. So that the feelings that she couldn't graduate from university was one of the terrible feelings that she always had in, in, in her entire life. And that made her to make sure that each of her children will be graduated from university and now stable and peaceful country but eventually bad things happen and the same case scenario repeated once one more time and I was being unable to continue my education or my college so 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 how old was she when that happened to her do you think I was 17 years old I think 
if I'm if I'm not. And was her university in Kabul as well? She was studying Persian literature at Kabul University. Yeah. And and what about your dad? What was his background or what was his education? My my father studied engineering and he graduated from University of Engineering in Kabul. Yeah. We call it Polytechnic. Okay. And you know, I've heard you speak elsewhere and talk about you know, for those for those years up until just recently when the Taliban took back over the country, just I, I've heard you talk just about having gratitude of like freedom and the ability to go to university and, and things that were taken away from your mom. Can, can you talk about that a little bit for all those? Absolutely. I mean, it's really sad if people say that the United States have never had any achievement in Afghanistan. I am one of evidence of those 20 years of freedom that the United States Army brought to our country, the peace and stability, and enable my generation to go and pursue education in a safe and stable country and have rights to, to almost everything. And those those years meant, mean a lot for me and for my generation and for my family because it was it was something i know i know you you do not believe in peace and stability because you experience a different version of it but for us that amount was enough to go and like have a hope and have a future and build a better a, a better future or a better d- destiny for ourselves but then eventually, because of corrupted leaders that we had in our country, our country collapsed and our generation, my generation, lose their hope. And well, I was one of those ones that left behind. We were the first hands paying the price for something we never been able to decide for ourselves. And it was sad and disappointing. But... I'm very grateful for United States Army, for veterans, and whoever served in Afghanistan in my country, and make it make it a very peace and peaceful and stable country for us, for my generation, and give us the hope and the right to make the decisions and make our our future and our life better. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, I I think you know people like Al and all sorts of folks that we've had on the show and my friends and Mm -hmm. veterans that help at our charity, Child Rescue, that combats child trafficking. I I think of what a great thing they've done for our world. And and like you said, you're you're living proof, right? So tell me, how long were you at school in uh, Bangladesh before COVID made you have to come back to Afghanistan? I was in Bangladesh for two years. And then the COVID-19 pandemic started and it grew fast in Bangladesh. And the whole country was in a lockdown. So our campus closed up. So we forced to go back to our home country, Afghanistan. And everything shifted online. It was a new experience. For the world, it was something that they can learn from it. And for us, it was it was pretty complicated situation, to be honest. Because when I returned back home, we had less access to internet. We did not have a stable connection so we can continue, so I can continue my education or a stable electricity. Those are the two key challenges that 
that I faced to continue my smooth and good education or studies back in Afghanistan. Yeah. And now your sister had gone to school over in the U.S., correct? Uh, yeah. What, what, where was Azada? Azada was in Nebraska, United States. You are asking about the part that government clubs. Yeah. And had she finished her MBA or was she still working on her MBA at the time? She graduated from the MBA, but she, since the government was, if you know about it, the peace negotiation was going on in Doha and the country was in pre-war situation. And we knew it's, 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 it's it was complicated. And she decided to stay in the United States for a few, few more months until things get stable so that she can return and she she will be safe in Afghanistan. But turns uh, things turns out differently. And the way we expected things would happen was not uh, the way it happened. It, uh, the government clubs and those who are in, in leadership, those who are in charge of taking people, taking security or the people, they ran away. So we were just pretty left by ourselves, and then the Taliban came and took the government. And to be honest, they have no opinions how to run a government or how to do the leadership. All they know well enough is how to fight and murder and do a massacres in a in a country. So, and one of the key things to remember. Before the Taliban came, we had a constitution, and it was it was a pretty good constitution. It was fair. It was justified. It was you could implement it and bring justice to a lot of unfairness that is that was in Afghanistan. But now we don't have any constitution. The the Taliban are implementing what they feel is fair to themselves. And eventually, it is not the just the right way to define justice or bring governing a country or a people. So now we don't have a court or higher court or anyone is not being to a court. There should be the right to attorney or there would be a judge to decide whether he or she committed a crime or not. It's just... A trial, how to nomadic trial that's happening by the Taliban, where it's it just the Taliban who who thinks he knows everything will sit and decide who is guilty and who is not. So and that's tough. It's yeah, it's more than tough. And so, where weren't you in town when you found out the government fell? Where, will you tell us a bit about that? From from when the panic happened to how you got over to the states? Yes, absolutely. It the government collapsed in August fifteenth, but it 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 collapsed like around eleven a.m. But in the morning at eight a.m., it was a really normal day. It was a good day. It was sunny. I went I went outside to to visit a bank, and then I had a lunch meeting with my sister. My sister's office was close to the bank, so I was on the way to go to the bank. There was a lot of traffic, so I decided to get out of the car and walk because that way it would be faster. Then I heard some gunfire and then chaos just happened. People start running around and they are 
screaming they came they are coming and everyone seems very desperate fearful and scared and everyone was screaming I just lost the connection I just lost where, where I am and what is just happening I was standing there in a shock looking around that chaos is happening and then I saw the course of the Taliban that's full of the Taliban soldiers with their white flags with their weapons a lot of weapons heavy weapons coming into the city and and people are screaming so it was it was really tough time because I was trying to call my parents I couldn't the only call I make was only few seconds that I was managed to call my sister and I asked her to not come out of your office. The tall one is just in the city and that that was all I had because everyone was rushing and calling their families and for example parents or spouses or children. There was a rush in communications and it was difficult to make a call last more than a few seconds. And I tried a different, I tried different, different, several times to call and I couldn't. And there was no transportation in the city available at that moment. Like any bus or any public transport, they all shut the doors and they were trying to escape the scene and get to their homes, to their families back. And the taxis and the car, it was like pretty case scenario for every possible cars in the street. They, so I, I was walking from from the Shahrinaw Kabul to my home because I couldn't find any transportation. It takes six hours to reach back home because I was far away from my home, and honestly, it was. It was terrible. It was it was so bad because I didn't know what's going to happen. Am I be able to see my parents again? Am I being able to, to reach home? Every steps I was taking was, it seems like it's, it's over. It's the end. And it, it was pretty dangerous. And I feel very unsafe walking through the streets, looking to the uh, soldiers, screaming on the on the people, the the Taliban soldiers, and it was it was chaos all over the all over the Kabul city. And so, what what time did you make it back home? I make home around five, I think. I, around it was five. It was af- in the afternoon. And and how many of your family members were able to make it back home, or how many of your family were at home? Well, I make it home, and my sister she also make it home. Like two hours after me, she was able to reach home. And my parents and my little brother they were at the home in the beginning. They were an outside thanks to the God that day. And when we make home, my mom was uh, freaked out about 
because the news of the Taliban taking the city was spread all over the country and then because my father was working with United States Army and we were very high target and it was dangerous for my family so my mom start burning anything any certificates any like employment contract that my father had with the United States government so, well possibly anything that she could find in the house that evidence as to work with US government US NGOs she was hopeless she was desperate she she panicked she was trying to burn the whole house but we didn't allow her to do that so it was dangerous and we know that it's, they're gonna come after my dad and we noticed that they are starting marking the houses well they have spies all, all over the Kabul and they they marked the uh, houses of those people who work with U.S. government or U.S. army especially. So we noticed that there's a mark on our house. So we, as soon as it gets dark, we escaped from our house, leaving everything behind because there was no time and there was nothing we can do about it. So we just ran and saved ourselves. Where, where did you guys run to? We, well, I don't want to name. No, no, no. Because, because yeah. we, I don't want to put their lives and their families and their homes in danger. But we ran uh, to our relatives' house. And thanks God, they opened their doors and they let us in. They welcomed us. And they know that we are, we are in danger. And by accepting us inside their houses, they also know that they put their themselves and their families in danger too because if they capture my dad they they will be punished for helping my dad and our family but despite the risk they take the letters in and they welcome us and we we were safe for a few days but we know eventually that we need to find some permanent solution for ourselves because we cannot go back to our old house nor we can have a normal life ever again so so can you can you tell us a little bit about your attempts to get to the airport and and what that was like? Yes, as I told you that we don't have any more solutions. My father applied for SIV and he has an SIV to be processed. But at that moment it was it was like you need to run and save yourself honestly and get hide and get sheltered in any possible way. Any, any possible. Our university in Bangladesh knew about the situation in Afghanistan and because we donors all around the world, especially most of our donors uh, who donate money to our university and make education possible for women in Asia, they, they was fearful of the, the Taliban's captures. When they capture the government, eventually they will, uh, they will like do a selective genocide or should I say this way or should I say that they will eliminate whoever's are against them and we obviously were against them because we studied in a women empower women empowering uh, university and we know we were well aware of our rights and how to gain our rights how to fight for it how to make how to make present that you know the girl the Taliban government is not legitimate. 
So they uh, they send they like kind of send a plane charter flight. They they make a charter flight for us, and they coordinated with the U.S. Army and ask us to go and try to attempt to get inside the airport. But we attempt to get inside the airport multiple times. But one factor or other factor was not present at the time. We couldn't make it to the airport. And the plane, oh, I am not aware of it, whether the plane get inside the Afghanistan or not. But it was no longer an option because we couldn't get inside the airport by the date that they, they asked us to get. Because there were several Taliban checkpoints and they were turning us around. They were not letting us to go. And it was not just me or a few students or 10 to 20 students. It was around 150 students. Well, at the beginning, it was 180 students. And we were in the seven buses. So they don't let us. They beaten up our drivers to create fear. They multiple times shoot at our cars. To turn us away and to make us to escape from the country to uh, to vanish so they did everything they could but we were persistent and we didn't give up we tried again and again to get inside the airport and thanks to every individual who helped us uh, and thanks to my sister to make the coordination happen we were able to get inside the airport and then being evacuated by the United States Army. Yeah, can you can you talk just a minute about the last time when you're going and they seized the buses and made you guys stay there and said, don't make any calls and, and a little bit of that? Yes, sure. We tried to like um, get into the airport like for five days. We stayed in the doors of the gates of the Kabul airport for 20, 26 hours, 38 hours. And the last time we were, well, basically we were, we were waiting in the buses with the fair and a lot of the Taliban's threats. And we were there for 26 hours and then someone sort of, some of the commanders of the Taliban came and turned our buses away and didn't let us get inside. And then the next time it takes 36 hours. And so every, every time they're turning us away to go back to our homes, we we were taking a few hours rest and then we trying to get into the airport, into airport again. The last time that we been to the the gates of the Kabul is on the explosion day. It was August 26. The explosion happened and we were very close to the gate. It was it was terrifying. It was sad. I still remember that the explosion happened and we were close enough that we can feel the vibration of the explosion. And then after that, a lot of gunfires happened. We were at the gate, close to the gate. And we faced the Taliban and they turned us away. And we we were in the street like at the night and waiting there that we can maybe perhaps if we still longer at the night, we can sneak in. 
and getting to the airport but it didn't happen and the last time that I've been to, to the airport it was against the advice of my family and friends and a lot of my colleagues they dropped they lost their hopes and they said it doesn't matter how many times we we try it's impossible we cannot get into the airport or leave the country so they dropped like around 30 students so 150 were still left a one of them was me we we said there's nothing more left in the country in Afghanistan to lose and we tried again we we know what we know that the the best case scenario is that they will shoot us in the head but the worst case scenario is they will rip us they will do sexual assault they do a lot of worst case scenario was there but you know, we we lost the desire to live in in a country such as Afghanistan and we know that there is no future in to be honest any fish, no future left in Afghanistan so we get into the bus and we despite all the rest that was possible at the moment we said that either they're gonna shoot us or whatever we we will try as far as far as as we could so we were the last time was different than the other times they turned the buses away but they didn't let us to to leave the area so basically we were between the two gates of the tall one. So one gate was here, the other gate was here, and the gate here, he this part was the airport, and we were somewhere here, just right in front of the Ministry of Interior, where where the tall one have the biggest army present at the moment on that ministry. It was different because they didn't let us to go back. They didn't let us to go inside. We were advised not used to our cell phones. Do not share our location. Do not talk with anyone. Do not chat with anyone. And it was at the night. It was dark. We could see the soldiers of the Taliban that walking uh, along with the buses screaming and we can hear them. I knew that something is not going something is not seems right it's suspicious because they should have let us go on but it wasn't only our buses there were the other buses of the civilians and the foreign foreign nationals that we could see them they when they didn't let them inside the airport they let them to leave the area so we were sitting there staying low i was i was kind of looking from the window outside what's happening and let's see that everyone is living except us and every every minute was very difficult for me because every minute that was passed I was like a, a new thought was coming to my mind what's going to happen why are they go- doing this uh, why are they keeping us here it was it was difficult and I said that I need to do something so I didn't have anyone so I just texted my sister Azada uh, she was in the United States and I said like Azada something is not right they're doing this and give her some details and she said that 
okay, hold on as mom gonna go and find help. It, it, it wasn't something that I believed that she will be able to help. It's, it's, I was just lost hope. So I just want to know someone's, I just want to tell someone for the last time where I am and then go and get disappear because a lot was possible to happen. Honestly, a lot worse case scenario, worse than that, what we can imagine or what we can talk about it. So I just, I was, I was so, also that get in touch with my father's friend from the United States military and she texted them and called them and tell them that hey, this is what's happening. My sister, with along with 149 other students, almost 150 students in seven buses, is right at the gate of the Kabul, um, Kabul airport. The Taliban not letting them to get inside, not letting them to leave the area to all other organization and individual who who jumped in when when my my sister make the call and they make all these dots connected to one another and through their connections and their influence they make they make as they what they did I didn't know at that point but when I came to United States I became aware of a aware of the sacrifice war of the services that they did of Everything they did for us, they called the U.S. Army and they say that this is what's happened. And they are full of students, all of them are gal, uh, women's, and they are, uh, to be honest, if you say, it's like being kept by the Taliban. So they make the call and they to the Taliban and then the Taliban let us get inside the airport. Before that, it was... It was impossible for anyone to believe that this case scenario is happening. So they asked me some information to just to confirm that what I'm saying is right and what I'm saying is true. So they say that I should share my location with them, taking some pictures to create awareness of the circumstances and the situation that I'm in, then give them information about the buses, about the students, about the number of the students, along with other minor details. All of this information they requested at that point, it was very difficult for me to provide because any moment I could take my phone and take a picture, someone might notice it might get me out and kill me or do worse than that. But... I knew if I don't do it, there is no one else to do. So someone has to do the job. If today is the last day and I'm going to die, so I, I would like to die with an honor. And the honor is that I'm standing for it. I'm not giving up. So I overcome the fear and take the pictures and share all the relevant information to the best of my knowledge with the to the to the people who are uh, on the other side of the phone who are in touch with me and then they make the connections and uh, we were being we were being allowed to go into the inside the airport but before that the Taliban took everything of us away they they were pointing their guns at us and say that drop everything you have and at that 
situation we left everything at the at the gate before to get inside the airport they didn't allow us to get anything except our documents like passports so that we can travel with wow that's such a heroic story thank you for sharing it as far as the rest of your family or anything else you want to share about what's happened with any other successes with your family yeah before uh, to share about my family there's one more details that i forgot to tell we were allowed to get inside the airport but the taliban took the three of my colleagues from away from they didn't let the three of the girls to get inside the airport three of my colleagues and we were so scared and when we asked for the reason they brought some non-reasonable or non unacceptable reasons that does not make any sense like their name is being misspelled or this or that and when i get into the airport i start communicating with with the and i say that these they detect they took three students, three of my colleagues, and they couldn't come inside. And there was a lot going on, and they said, okay, we will make the connections, but we need you to go and find whoever is in charge in the ground. So I was, like, running around asking soldiers, who is your commander, who is the captain, who is in charge, finding the right person, and then calling them and say like I found the right person what I'm supposed to do the next and they said like can you pass the phone so we can talk to him so I did everything they want and they talk with the captain and they convince the captain that he is responsible to go and take the other three girls from the tall one it takes it takes sometimes and a lot of effort and thanks to the U.S. Army and the captain, especially, who 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 make it who made it possible, who who could have like left the girls on the Afghanistan, but he he did his job and bring uh, the the rest of us like the three others and let us reunited. But so thanks to everyone, including the United States Army, Nazarene fans, all other organizations and individuals who helped and rescue us. Well, thank you for you being so brave. I didn't want to say much earlier because I thought I was going to break down and start crying. I'm not brave enough because I could have do far better than that. But I'm, I'm just feeling being responsible for one another. It was... It was tough to leave those three girls behind and someone has to do something. And I did to the best of my ability everything I could to help them and rescue them. And pray for a good person because I was selfish enough because it was just me who being rescued at that moment. So I leave everyone behind like my parents, my sister, my brother. I I was the last one who was getting inside the airplane and I was I was doubtful if I what I am doing is the right thing. It it was 
tough. It was difficult. I still feel like I'm I'm selfish because I just think about myself. I leave my family behind, my everything behind, and I was I was sad because I knew if I'm getting into this airplane. There is no chances that I will be able to see them again. That there will be a future that we will be together. Or what would be the last... What would be the next time that I will be able to talk to them? What's gonna happen? It just... You're... You're saving yourself. Leaving part of yourself behind and it's selfish i am selfish so i'm not brave you know what a heart-wrenching moment because you know your parents right i'm a father i have four children i've i've got i've got a 17 year old daughter right now and i would absolutely want her to get on that plane whether i was with her or not you know well it's it's the tough part of being a parent because all you want to do is to keep your children safe and that's what my parents did they, they, they protect, protect us and when when I get the chance to get into the here they said I should try and they didn't like force me to do anything to be honest I was pretty on my own well to do everything and to decide whether I want to go and try or not because they know, I know, and everyone's knew the risks that were that were present at that moment. And well, I the least you can do on a bad day is to survive. And it think I think that was one of the day I I decided to survive. Just. Apart from being anything called living or of any good feelings that ever, ever could happen to me, I was doubted. I just wanted to survive. Maybe just because I want to share the history. I want to share those moments uh, of desperations, fear, and things. Yeah. You know... We're, we're going to do multiple interviews because we've covered so much of your history and I want to do another show and talk about how you want to continue your education and where you want to go and why, why you want to study artificial intelligence. And we're going to talk about some of the exciting things of your future as well. In, in just maybe our last minute here, do you want to share any success of, of you know, that was such a heart-wrenching moment for you and, and you can blame yourself for being selfish, but can you, can you share any of the success with your parents and since then absolutely it was it was tough time but thanks especially to the rescued my family from afghanistan they are now in a safe place waiting for their works paperwork to be processed and be able to make it to united states and together we will build a new home a new future and my my sister Ozda, she was in the United States already. So, good news is we were being reunited again, and I'm so grateful for having her. 
And my other sister, she is also being evacuated from Afghanistan, thanks to God. And she is in the Germany at this moment. It's tough, I know, but thanks to everyone who helped us and thanks to Al and Andrea because of opening their home and because of their accepting me and like helping me to to heal from what I have been through and to giving me the love like they do for their children to taking care of me to the to the to their best ability so I I had a good experience since I'm United States I am feeling safe feeling being count as a human of equal status again which I wouldn't experience it if I was still in Afghanistan. I am starting to live again thanks to all these individuals who, who is helping me, who are helping me. I don't feel like I'm surviving anymore. It's, 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 it feels like I'm living and I'm living my dreams. I, there are, I'm not scared to make more dreams or try down my goals. Now I know it's, it's possible to restart your life, even from ground zero, and makes good things happen and and accomplish your goals one after another it may take some time it may take a while but i'm not scared to make new dreams this is the best part i'm I'm sorry now look what you've done you made me start crying all over again (laughs) i try to be strong i'm sorry oh my gosh don't be sorry i'm so happy that you could share that and i'm so happy for your future You know, speaking of my 17-year-old daughter, I had my whole family watch your previous interview and my kids were so excited that I got the chance, that I was going to get the chance to meet you. And when I told them this morning that this was the interview, they were, they were like so beaming. They're like so excited that I get to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for, for the show and thank you for letting me share what I feel and what I have been through to all those years that I left, that I live in Afghanistan, all those things that I experienced, I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't it for the sacrifices the veteran and the U.S. Army made during those 20 years in Afghanistan. We couldn't have the democracy, the constitutions, or any stability. Well, and, and I'm thankful for Al. You know, we've had, so anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's it's Al Buford, who's been on the show before, that reached the, the highest levels, most elite levels of special operations. Azada and Asma, that's that's where, that's who you guys are living with now, he and his family. And, uh, and he's, he's the one that made this happen, and I'm so glad that he did. Yeah, I'm glad to. I'm very pleased to be here with you. I'm so happy to stay and live with Al and his family. They were really kind. They were really supportive. They they helped me and my family to heal and support us in all possible ways. I'm really grateful for them. 
Yeah, me too. Um, well, okay, for our last 30 seconds, let's, let's give people a teaser for the next episode. And by the way, we are going to be doing interviews with Ozma's sister, Azada, as well, and, and with some of the veterans and people, Tom Spooner, who's been on the show, we might try to get involved with Al and Asma and do some more episodes. So this is going to be part of a series. But in the last 30 seconds here, let's, let's do just a little bit of a teaser of why do you want to study artificial? It's, it's, um, thank you for asking this question. I'm so excited about artificial intelligence. And the reason why I want to study is because it's shaping the future. And I want to be part of that future. It's the future of human being, the future of the industries. Like that makes thing AI makes things possible for 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 to be processed, analyzed, and used in a most efficient way and to predict everything. So the reason this is what makes me interested in studying it, and the reason why I want to study is to implement it to not just in United States but to all other countries who are in needs, but there's no enough knowledge or enough education available like they can use it so I, I would like to learn from here and then help those nations in possible ways well i'm gonna jump the gun here al and i've had a little bit of some conversations but i'm just gonna go out and say this anyways i am gonna be working with al and we are gonna set up a scholarship fund for you and we're gonna we're gonna try and make that happen for you Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. I know it's the colleges are costing a lot of money and then we lost the money in Afghanistan. They seized our bank accounts. But thank you for for you and forever whoever's helping me to achieve my educations and to make the future different. Maybe not for others, but just for myself and be a different person, a different version of myself. So thank you for helping me achieving my goals in education. You bet. Everybody stay tuned. There's going to be more in this series. And thank you so much again, Asma, for today. Thank you. Bye now.